0: Welcome to yet another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 116. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Dotson. With us is uh, another uh, regular on Red Leg Nation Radio, our old buddy uh, Doug Gray from uh, com, and uh, and this season uh, from a recurring role at RedLegNation.com. How you doing, Doug?
1: I'm not doing too bad. How about yourself?
0: Oh, I, c- I would be doing better if uh, Johnny Cueto were a good pitcher. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, yeah, he, he is struggling tonight, but uh, I, I guess you're not going to go all season with a 1-2-5 ERA. I guess tonight was the night where uh, things didn't go his way.
0: Yeah, if he were really a good pitcher, he wouldn't have uh, given up four earned runs tonight. <laughs> uh, and, and we're recording this as the Reds are currently losing to the Nationals 6-1. to uh, And so uh, hopefully we'll be broadcasting the comeback of the Reds here in just one moment. But, uh, yeah, rough outing for Cueto. Uh, you're right, you, you can't continue to have numbers like he's had all season long, and I, I guess we can probably forgive Cueto for uh, one less-than-stellar outing, don't you think?
1: I'm willing to forgive him. Uh, I just hope all the uh, listeners also are willing to forgive him. If not, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> I, I, I doubt very seriously that anyone uh, that's listening to this is going to be very rational about the Reds, so I'm not going to guarantee mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's going to be forgiven, uh, but Cueto's been great. He's still even after giving up four earned runs in uh, five and a third at one point six three ERA, and just uh, uh, I'm happy that he's a Red. Well, do you have any any opinion? I've got I've got my opinions that I'm going to share, obviously, but uh, about whether the Reds are going to be able to and whether they will uh, sign Cueto past next season. What what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts at this point? Is it really premature to ask because they do have a, a really good option um, for next year, a team, a club option?
1: Well, I don't think it's premature. I'm sure that the Reds have discussed it with him. Um, you know, at the very least, to try and get a feeler out there to see you know what kind of deal he is looking for. Um, because at this point, you know, after 2015, Latos, Cueto, and Leak all can leave for free agency. So I'm sure they've had discussions with all three of those guys to try and figure out exactly you know what it's going to take. You know, try and plan for the future. I doubt they're going to sign all three of them, but I'm sure they want to at least be able to have one of those guys back, if not two. Um, I think that if Cueto can stay healthy all year, he's probably going to be the most expensive of the three. I could see where, you know, maybe Latos could get equal money given, you know, more durability, assuming he comes back this year and is healthy, given that he hasn't really had the injury history that Cueto has had. Um, but, you know, at this point, I think that Cueto's probably going to command 150 plus million dollars um and that that's a lot of money for the reds to swallow but you know matt latos isn't going to be much cheaper either so yeah
0: yeah you know a, a couple months ago i would have said well you know latos is younger he's uh, doesn't have the injury history that cueto has and, and and that's true cueto hopefully if cueto's healthy this year all season long it's going to cause a, a really interesting conversation to be taking place uh, within the the management of the Cincinnati Reds, uh, because this year Latos is the one who is uh, has been injured all season. Although there is some good news on the on the Latos front, we'll talk about it in a moment. Well, I, I'm not willing to say anything's good news with respect to Latos just yet, but um, yeah, you know, I think that the Reds are going to have an interesting decision. You got Mike Leake, whose ERA is uh, below three at this at this point. Although he started off pretty hot last year too, and uh, and ended up having a good year. I mean, I don't have any complaints about Mike Leak, uh, Cueto has been nearly unhittable until tonight, um, and of course we know what Latos can do, and and he's the youngest of the bunch, and and probably well, like, you know, I don't know. After watching Cueto, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that Latos has the, mo- the the most high end talent, but he Latos has a the, the talent to be an elite uh, starting pitcher in the in the league. So I'm glad it's a good decision, I guess, to have. I, I'll never uh question whether or not the Reds can come up with the money because they've surprised me time and again over the last few years. But, uh, I, I don't know what, if I could only sign one of those guys or two of those guys, well, if I could sign two, I know what I do. If I could sign just one of those guys, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I, I don't know at this point what I would do. There's a lot of variables there. So it's going to be interesting to see where the Reds go with that. Um, about later, so let's talk about, obviously the Reds are sort of scuffling. They're just, uh, up and down, stayed mostly below 500, uh, most of the first couple, uh, months of the season, a month and a half, and, and, frankly, it's just been injury after injury after injury. And and if, if we're trying to look at what's, I would say, the, the glass half full or look through our peat rose-colored glasses, um, you know, hopefully some of these guys get ready to come back. It's Matt Latos uh, through live batting practice uh, and uh, today, I guess, and uh, pitched to pitched to Jay Bruce, actually. Uh, Forty pitches, the equivalent of a couple of innings in a simulated game, and everything supposedly looked good. Um are you as concerned or as nervous as i am that uh, we're not we don't know the whole story on latos and that uh, i don't know that uh, there could be another uh, another setback am i un- worrying unnecessarily i guess is what i would say
1: normally i'd say yeah you're worrying unnecessarily but given how the red season has played out with i don't know what is this the 900th injury they've had this year
0: approximately
1: <laughs> I, I i don't want to say that you know, you're worrying because, you know, it, it just seems that every possible break that the Reds have had this year has been bad. Um, but, you know, like you said, things seem to go well today, and Brian Price said that if Latos feels good tomorrow coming off of his outing today, that they're going to send him out on rehab, which, you know, that that's good, but I guess we really won't know until tomorrow whether it's actually going to be good news or not.
0: Yeah, Jay Bruce, uh, who we'll talk about in a moment, his quote was, "He looked like Latos." Honestly, I hope that he comes back soon because he's going to be a big boost to us, and there's no question about that. If they can get back a, a healthy Latos, so it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, with rehab. Now, the the other news, obviously, and and I've been pretty clear that I'm scared to death about this injury to uh, to Joey Votto, and. Uh, Especially with uh, Jay Bruce being out with a similar injury, well, you know, words coming now that maybe they won't have to put uh, put Votto on the disabled list. they haven't yet, and uh, and looks like they're not. They're going to try not to, uh, uh, according to what we're reading. And there is a possibility maybe that Bruce and Votto could return for the weekend when they play a, a team called the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, I don't know that I would uh, bet the ranch on both those guys returning, but if it's really possible that those guys could be back. I I want to be optimistic about things. I tried, I'm i trying not to be uh, pessimistic about the way the season has gone, even though nothing has gone right for the Reds practically, uh, except for Devin Miserocco. But, wow, that would be something else to get those two guys back for the Cardinals series, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, right now the uh, offense is an- anemic at best, and uh, you're getting back, you know, I guess, what most people thought would be their two best hitters going into the season uh, back in, in the same series. I mean, that – it, it couldn't do anything but help the offense. I mean, even if they're not, you know, right back end of you know middle of the season shape. You know, since both have been off for a while, uh, clearly Jay Bruce a lot longer. But you know, I, I think that it it would give the 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 lineup a little bit more, uh, definitely more on base prowess. It seems that they've been missing that for quite a while, even when Joey Votto was playing well. Um, but, you know, it would give them that power threat with Jay Bruce that it seems like they've been missing as well.
0: Yeah, it, it, they need it bad. They need it bad. They need uh, both those guys back and, and healthy. Um, I'm not ready to, uh, to say that I've, I've uh, forgotten all my concern that uh, both these knee injuries could be worse than what we've seen, given the way things have happened with the Reds. Again, uh, they seem to be snake-bitten this year. As I said the other day, it really just doesn't seem like our year. But, uh But that would be, that that would make me uh, pretty happy to see both those guys back. Now, obviously the reason we uh, love having Doug on the podcast is to talk minor leagues. And before we transition into the minor league stuff, uh, let's talk about a guy who used to be a top prospect in the red system. Uh, You you just mentioned on base percentage and uh, the reds lineup. How do you feel about uh, a couple, a couple things here. We're talking about Billy Hamilton, obviously, is who we're going to talk about. Um, how do you feel about what we've seen out of him so far? Is it what you expected? And uh, I know you've been uh, fairly high on Hamilton in the past. Uh, are you, uh, are, are you seeing what you expected to see? I guess in his first really extended time in the big leagues.
1: Yeah, I think that you know, the, clearly he struggled the first week of the season. Um, you know, I think that the Reds or Someone had something going on, and he, he was just kind of all over the place with his plate approach, trying to do different things in each different plate appearance. And it, it really shows when you look back on it um, you know, that you know, maybe he was trying to do too much all at once. Um, I, you know, and really, ever since he came back from sitting out a couple days, I think he missed the second series of the year, or maybe it was the third, when he, he sat out against the Mets. Um, and ever since he's come back from that, you know, he's actually hit pretty well. Um, you know, I, I figured coming into the season, he was going to be up and down and, you know, he'd have streaks where he'd hit and he'd have a few streaks where, you know, he'd look lost at the plate. Um, but I, I think that at this point, it's hard to say that anybody should be disappointed in any way about what Billy Hamilton's done at the plate on the bases or on the field or in the field.
0: Yeah, I agree he did get off to a rough start, but I've been the more I see the guy number 1, he's exciting to watch, he's and that's as advertised. He's he's really fun. When he gets on base, uh, you know, how who who else uh, when when they get on base do you want to uh sort of sit and and, and not miss a pitch because you want to see what he does. No, I mean, you know, it's been a long time since there's been anyone like that. Certainly in a Reds uniform. Uh so and he's you know, he's starting to get on base a little more. He's really picking up the game. His defense has been pretty good. Uh made some outstanding plays. I'm I'm not unhappy with what we're seeing out of out of Billy Hamilton, and uh, I don't know what his ceiling is. I, I just I don't know what to expect out of him given his particular tool set, but uh, he he sure is fun to watch. I'm glad he's a red. I guess I'll say that. I've never really never really said that uh, before. I've never been a huge fan of uh, of Hamiltons, uh, but he's he's winning me over.
1: Yeah, I mean I think the the one issue with his game so far, you could say, is you'd, you'd like to see him walk a little bit more. But, I mean, he's got seven walks this season, not counting tonight. Um, I, I I missed the first uh, five innings of the game, so I don't really know if he walked at all tonight or not. But, you know, he had seven walks coming into the game tonight. And, I mean, obviously you want to see more than that out of your leadoff hitter. But, you know, overall I, I think that everything else he's done has been pretty good. Um, and, you know, he seems to be fairly consistent Um you know, ever since, you know, the first week, week and a half of the season has been up.
0: Yeah, he's 0 for 3 tonight. He didn't, has not walked. Uh,
1: okay.
0: And the Reds are uh, – I thought you said a moment ago we were going to watch their comeback. Or, or uh, they're, da- they're down 9 to 1. They're,
1: they're setting up one of the best comebacks of all time. See, nah. see they're, they're letting you down just to bring you way back up.
0: Oh, your uh, trust in the Reds is uh, surprising <laughs> and uh, a little bit scary. Let's – uh. Let's talk about the minor leagues, since clearly the Reds down nine to one. The the major league season is over at this point. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the young guys, and and there are a couple guys in particular that are getting a lot of uh, a lot of publicity. And the, the one guy that I really was looking forward to talking to you about uh, today. And uh, so I'm, let's talk about him first first off the top here. Ben Lively. This guy is just uh, crazy good. He's he's uh, mowing down everybody. Uh, what what do we know about Ben Lively he's pitching prospect He's in, in uh, high a right now, right? Yes,
1: yes and, he is
0: and he is just making uh, lots of eyes open is he not?
1: He is I mean first off to put it in, in perspective, he's pitching in the California League which basically is like pitching a course field every night. if you don't have you know the ballparks that have high altitude where the ball just absolutely flies out, He pitches at home in Bakersfield, where it's 354 feet to dead center field. And yet there he is. He's got a 0.81 ERA in 55 and two-thirds innings with seven walks and 65 strikeouts. I mean, I'm not sure what adjective you can actually use to describe how good he has been this season.
0: That's what amazes me is uh, the – and you just said them, but the the strikeout-to-walk ratio, 65 strikeouts – to seven walks, seven walks in nine starts. I mean, uh, that's just—it's almost unthinkable, especially like you say in that league. Goodness, seven and one point point eight one ERA. Uh, now, the next question, I guess, is what's the uh, what's the next step? When's he when's he getting moved up to AA?
1: Well, the Reds' player developmental director Jeff Grappi, was on uh, one of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos broadcasts about two weeks ago, and their announcer asked him, you know, when can we see Ben Lively? Uh, Lively's from Pensacola area, um, you know, it's a couple miles away where he went to high school.
0: Went to college in Central Florida, didn't he?
1: Yeah, and uh, he went to college. So, you know, it's something that they're all looking forward to, and then especially with the, you know, the way he's pitched this season, they're expecting him to be there soon. And uh, Grappe has said that, you know, basically, if he has a few more starts like he'd been having, that, you know, they were going to look to promote him. So I, I think that, you know, june 1st rolls around if he's not there already look for him in the next couple weeks because it it just seems that you know he's pushing uh you know he's doing everything that he can and you know you you can't really keep somebody down that's performing that well i mean it really doesn't seem like there's anything that he can learn at that level i mean he's just completely dominating them in every facet of the game
0: yeah he's got to be wondering what else do i have to do um you know uh what's he uh as, as I recall, 22 years old, I think. Uh, yeah. And as we said, a college guy, and just, uh just unbelievable. So, now, uh, obviously, he's playing in the California League, and this is just a, a ball, just a ball. I never pitched an a ball. I don't know. If, I don't know if you realize <laughs> that. Uh, but uh, what's this guy's? It, it's this is an unfair question, but I, it, I, that's what I do. I ask unfair questions. Uh, what's his ceiling? I mean, are we talking this guy have major league ace type stuff, or is it too early to know?
1: I don't think he has ace-type stuff. Um, you know, Jason Parks at Baseball prospectus, said he was a number four starter uh, just a couple weeks ago. Now, realize that, you know, when he says a number four starter, it's scout talk. It's not exactly like we think of as, you know, kind of an iffy guy in most rotations as a number four. You know, when somebody says you're a number four starter, that's that's a compliment. You know, they, they see you as a guy who can go out and throw 180 innings every year, be reliable, um, you know. I think that his ultimate ceiling is kind of Mike Leake-ish. They've got similar stuff. Uh, Mike Leake actually throws a little bit harder than Ben Lively does on most nights. Well,
0: that's funny. Um, I was going to ask you because it you sounded like you were describing a Mike Leake type type, and I was wondering what his fastball looked like and how he how he profiles. So you think they're somewhat similar then?
1: Yeah, I mean, this year Mike Leek's actually throwing harder than he's ever thrown before as a professional. He's averaging 93 miles an hour with his fastball when usually he's been about 91. And that that's about where Lively's going to be. You know, and he throws 89 to 91 miles an hour. You know, he can touch 94 every now and again. But, you know, he's going to do that, you know, once or twice a game. Um, but, you know, he's very much like Mike Leak. You know, he can throw a fastball, curveball, changeup, and slider, all for strikes to both sides of the plate, you know, wherever he wants, when he wants. And... You know, I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, um, but you just don't often see guys that with his kind of profile, you know, turn out to be aces. I mean, for every Cliff Lee, you know, there's hundreds of guys that, you know, they just filled out rotations, you know, in the, in the back end also.
0: Billy Hamilton sacrificed fly. Reds cut the lead to, or the deficit to nine to two.
1: What did I tell you? What did I
0: tell you? <laughs> the comeback is on. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, someone someone
0: might think, ah, you know, Mike Mike Leake—that's this guy's ceiling uh, as a uh, as a criticism. But the way I look at it is, Mike Leake. I mean, you know, I, th- that that's a value. My, Mike Leake's probably not uh, the pitcher that we've seen uh, maybe so far this season. Maybe he is, but um but Mike Leake is a legitimate major league pitcher and a, and, a, and a good major league pitcher. Yeah, to, I
1: mean, to, I, I, to say I, he's I think not a starter.
0: His- is is not a criticism i mean not a not an ace that's not a criticism as far as i'm concerned
1: no i mean mike leek i mean we were just talking about him a couple minutes ago you know he's going to get 75 80 million dollars on the open market when he's a free agent assuming that he stays healthy and doesn't completely fall apart i mean you know he's a number 3 starting pitcher on most rotations in baseball it just so happens that he pitches for the reds where you know he might be the fifth best pitcher when everybody's fully healthy just because of how good everybody else is for the reds yeah,
0: exactly. So, um, so that's really interesting. Uh, Edward Bennett Lively, um, I, uh, I, I'm really excited to see what he does the rest of the season. He's, he's the single, the one guy, I, before the season, the guy, Robert Stevenson, who we'll talk about a little bit later, that was the guy I was most interested in seeing how they, how he responded this year. But the, with the way things have gone the first couple of weeks or a couple of months, I'm just, uh, uh, I think we all need to be, uh, and no one here that's listening to this keeps track of the miners the way you do, uh, Doug, but, uh, if there's one guy the rest of us need to be keeping an eye on, this guy's an interesting, uh, interesting case scenario. So, um, go, go Ben. Now, the other guy, any last words on Ben? Let me, Ben Live, let me ask you that.
1: Um, you know, I think that with his profile, you know, being able to throw so many pitches for strikes as often as he can, uh, you know, he could be a guy who, we could see sooner rather than later. You know, you think a guy's an A-ball right now, he's going to be a few years away. But with as advanced as he is with all four pitches and control, you know, he could be a guy that we could see a lot sooner than that um, just because of the way that, you know, all of his stuff works together.
0: Uh, outstanding. Um, now, another guy that uh, you wanted to talk about that uh, a lot of guys are, are talking about, we talked about A Pensacola. This is a pitcher for, uh, for uh, Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Michael Lorenzen, what can you tell us about Michael Lorenzen besides the fact that he's been uh, outstanding as well uh, through his first nine starts?
1: Last year, the Reds selected him in the supplemental first round of the draft. Um, He was a relief pitcher in college, and he really only threw 15 to 20 innings in each season.
0: Pitching Um, pitching for Cal State Fullerton, a great uh, college baseball program.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was their starting center fielder, and plenty of teams liked him as a first- or second-round talent as a center fielder. Um, but you know the Reds plucked him up, and they decided you know we're gonna rush him through the minor league system, and he pitched at four different levels and finished at Double uh, as a relief pitcher last year.
0: Just two and months then, older than uh, just two months older than Lively, I should note.
1: Yeah. And uh, the Reds sent him out to the Arizona Fall League after the season was over, and said, "Hey, we want you to be a starting pitcher." And you know Learners had never been a starting pitcher in his life. Um, you know, he's always been a position player. He played for Team USA on the international scene as an outfielder growing up um, through college. And so they sent him out to Arizona, and, I mean, he got pulverized out in Arizona. He had 12 walks and five strikeouts in 17 innings. I mean, guys were just tearing into him. Well, he comes back this year, and they send him back to Pensacola as a starting pitcher, and... He's got a 2.26 ERA in 51 and two thirds innings, um, and one scout I talked to who saw him said that he's easily the most improved player he's ever seen from one year to the next.
0: Wow. Um, and and I saw it your at uh, redsminorleagues your site. Uh, he unveiled a new pitch recently, yeah. just just fooling around with a new pitch.
1: I guess so. Um, you know, for a guy who's I mean, for all intents and purposes, brand new to starting pitching. Uh, And, heck, I mean, he doesn't even have too many innings on his arm as a reliever. Uh, He decided he needed to throw a curveball. And he just went back and started watching video of, you know, Adam Wainwright and a few other guys just to see how they were throwing their curveball, how they were holding the curveball. And then he went to other starters and relievers on his staff and said, hey, I want to start throwing a curveball. What do you guys think about this? You know, what should I do? And he worked on it for about a week in the bullpen um, in between his starts. And they just broke it out, and, you know, it looked like he'd been throwing it for a while. I mean, yeah, it was a little inconsistent at times. He's been throwing it for a week. Of course it's going to be. But there were a few of them in there that, you know, they were good-looking pitches. And it's just amazing to me that he can do something like that. I mean, clearly he's an elite-level athlete, you know, like I said earlier. Guys were looking at him as a center fielder in the first or second round of the draft last year, and now he's pitching in double-A and having great success. But still, just the improvements that he made from last year to this year, and then you know, to just bring a curveball basically out of nowhere and be able to throw it to double-A hitters and get them out on it, it's amazing. It really is amazing.
0: Well, that's why he's a, one of the most fascinating uh, guys to watch in the minor leagues. I love the quotes at your, uh, at your site. Uh, basically said he was watching uh, Adam Wainwright and, and Clayton Kershaw, and he said I was just I was interested in throwing that curveball, <laughs> you know, and and uh, watch some videos, talk to some guys, and, and and started throwing it, and and what you what you realize here is this guy's in Double A, he's a couple of steps away from the big leagues, and he is really pitching well in Double A, uh, as we said, nine stars, two point two six ERA, uh, you know, and but he's really just sort of a baby, I guess, when it comes to when it comes to uh, to pitching, he still got so much to learn, which makes you think, man, if this guy's already this good and he's just learning the craft, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. So, uh, you know, we we before the season, uh, all the talk was about uh, Robert Stevenson, who I mentioned uh, obviously a moment ago. Uh, but here are a couple of really interesting pitching prospects uh, in the Reds organization. And do you feel a little bit better about the uh, state of the uh, Reds organization in terms of pitching? than you did a couple months ago by any chance uh,
1: really no but i felt like i was pretty high on their pitching depth overall anyways mm-hmm. so i mean you know lorenzen stepping up as a starting pitcher clearly gives them a little bit of a boost but i felt that they were pretty strong to begin with um you know, one other interesting note about lorenzen and you know if you read redlegnation.com which you should every day anyways hey now you're talking
0: it, my language all
1: right I, I wrote about it earlier today. Um, He's got a 60% ground ball rate as well, which is one of the tops in the system. Um, and, I mean, if that's if you put that in the major leagues, that would be the highest rate in the major leagues as well, uh, which clearly double A is not the major leagues, and ground ball rates do tend to drop off a little bit as you move up each level. But still, he, he's an elite ground ball pitcher as well, uh, despite you know being so new to pitching.
0: <laughs> Can you think of any reason why a, uh, being a good ground ball pitcher would help you at Great American Ballpark? I can't imagine why that would <sighs> No, <laughs> I
1: I can't I can't really put together why that would be a good idea. <laughs> before we get back
0: uh get back to uh some of the other top prospects that I wanted to sort of run through by you. You wrote a piece uh I guess it was last week, uh, probably a week ago today, about whether it was time for the Reds to consider calling up uh Jumbo Diaz. Uh,
1: uh, good old Jumbo.
0: Jumbo. Now hey, I think he had a rough one uh last night or the night before, seems like, uh or a, a less than stellar outing but uh, he's got a great name. Why don't you tell us about Jumbo?
1: Oh, Jumbo Diaz. He's been around for a while. He he's not a spring chicken. He's thirty years old. Uh, he's never pitched in the big leagues, but he's always been a really big guy. Um, you know, last really. Year, wait a minute,
0: a really big guy.
1: Really big guy. He's he, last year Jumbo he was, is a really big guy. He was six foot four and listed at three hundred pounds. But he'll <laughs> Jumbo he'll indeed. You, he will tell you that he was walking around about three thirty to three forty at parts <laughs> of the season. Um, uh, and last year, you know, he's throwing, you know, 94, 95 miles an hour, which is, it's plenty hard. Uh, but he actually lost 60 pounds over the winter and he's down to about 280 pounds now. Wow. And he's throwing in the upper nineties, you know, he's sitting 94 to 97 and touching 99. Uh, so he's got a really, really big, strong arm. Um, he, you know, he's got a one six nine ERA. He's got 11 saves working as the closer for the bats. Um, he mixes in a slider along with the fastball, but you know it's yeah, it's an iffy pitch. It can be good sometimes. It cannot be good sometimes. But with all the bullpen struggles the Reds have had, I'm really surprised we haven't seen him up here yet. Uh, you know, he he had a rough outing last night. He walked two guys and struck out two guys and gave up a run in two innings. Um, but I mean, for the most part during the season, he's been nothing short of dominant. And I'm I'm really surprised that we haven't seen him up here yet. Well, uh, I don't
0: believe he's ever had a, even a cup of coffee in the majors, has he?
1: No, he he has not. I mean, he's been through a plethora of organizations, oh. um, but it it just seems that you know his first real sustained success at the AAA level has been with the Reds over the past two years, uh, which is kind of surprising given that he throws so hard. It just seems for whatever reason, you know, he's figured something out at the AAA level with the Reds
0: well he throws really hard and uh I guess i my question would be why why not give this guy a shot rather than uh and we pick on this poor guy all the time and I hate to do it again but uh Logan Andrusak, you know what do you what do you what's the downside of uh of, of trying old jumbo at the major league level i I don't see much of a downside frankly, at this point point. Uh, and of course as bad as jJ hoover's been I probably would have sent down hoover a couple of uh weeks ago what why Curtis Parks Why not Jumbo Diaz?
1: It, 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 I'm glad you brought up Curtis Parks because I was going to bring that up uh, because I think that you know there's a chance that those two could be you know very similar pitchers. You know both guys can throw in the upper nineties and they've got that iffy slider. When it's on, you know they look very good, but when it's not, you know we've seen what can happen to Curtis Parks when he can't locate his slider or if it flattens out, which it's done in the past. I think it's been a lot better this year. You know in limited action at the big league club. But, you know, we've seen what happens when a guy like Curtis Barch has been able to, you know, or not been able to throw his second pitch for a strike or it's been a questionable pitch. And maybe that's something that the Reds are seeing with Jumbo Diaz is that the slider isn't always as consistent as they would like it to be. So they've got some reservations about that, whereas, you know, with a Logan Andrusik, you know, you know you're going to get somebody who's going to be a little bit inconsistent, but, you know, it's going to be – Oh, maybe not as good when he's at his best, but not nearly as bad when he's at his worst.
0: Mostly though, I think the Reds should probably call Jimbo Diaz up for one reason, and that is I want to see uh, Araultas Chapman standing next to Araldus or standing next to Jimbo Diaz because they'll look the, like the number 10. <laughs> is, is, is it irrational to, to want that to be the number one reason why I want them to, the Reds to call him up? Um, uh-huh.
1: I'm I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything as irrational about another person's thoughts.
0: There you go. <laughs> uh, well, it's a, he's a, he's a fascinating uh, not just because of the you know the size and the and the name, but uh, he can throw can throw that hard, can get up uh, touching uh, the high nineties. As bad as the Reds bullpen has been at times, as inconsistent as the Reds bullpen has been, uh, I was I, I was really uh, interested in, in the piece that you wrote there for Red Lake Nation about whether it's time to call him up. And uh, I, I'm, I'm all, all on that train. Bring, bring him up. Uh, but then again, I'm, uh, I'm always willing to do anything that will send uh, Logan Andrusik to AAA. <laughs> um, all right. I'll let you decide. Are there any particular minor leaguers you want to go through next that you think we need to talk about? I mean, I've got a list of uh, three or four here that I definitely want to talk about. But uh, if there's someone in particular you want to, to aim at first as we sort of kick around the, uh, the res minor league system, I'll let you choose
1: well let's go with your list first because I'm sure that if I don't hit somebody on your list I can come up with several other guys after that um, sounds so. good then
0: number one on my list and, and on most people's list probably Robert Stevenson uh, what do we well I know what we know about Stevenson he's an elite uh, elite prospect uh, by many lists the number one prospect in the Reds organization what have we seen from him so far and have we have we learned anything new?
1: Um, I think we have learned a little bit. Maybe he uh wasn't quite as ready as some of us believed right off the bat. Um, but he struggled after he made his first appearance. Was actually out of the bullpen. Um, I'm um, Jonathan Broxton made the start for Pensacola, pitched an inning, and he came out uh-huh. of the bullpen and pitched really well uh, for six innings. And then his next three starts, he really struggled. Um, you know, he could not find the strike zone. He bounced more pitches to the plate in those three starts than I saw him do all of last season, you know, in 115 innings. Um, I mean, his mechanics were just rough. You know, he couldn't find the plate, and he was getting hit when he could find the plate because guys were able to sit on his fastball because it was really the only pitch he could even throw anywhere near the strike zone. Um, He's pitched really well after that. Uh, His past five starts have been really good. Uh, the control's been a lot better, especially his fastball control. Uh, he's actually been commanding it to both sides of the plate recently, which is very good to see. We saw that at times last year as well. Um, you know, He's got a 3.74 ERA right now in 45 and two-thirds innings with 55 strikeouts and 21 walks. The walks jump out at you as being much higher than you would like to see. But as I noted, most of those walks, more than half of them came in three starts towards the beginning of the season. Um, so those are kind of skewing the numbers right now. He's pitching much better than the numbers, uh, at face value tell you at this point in the season, but, you know, he's only had, you know, I think eight or nine starts at this point. So they're still, you know, influencing his overall numbers. Uh, but he's still the best pitching prospect in the system, best prospect in the system, one of the best pitching prospects in all of the minor leagues for any team. Um, you know, I think that with the way that his season started out, you know, maybe, He's going to be pushed back a little bit. you know. He's going to spend more time in Pensacola than we would have thought at the beginning of the season.
0: Well, he's 21. I mean, even if he's in Pensacola the whole season, that's not really a, 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 sort of a delay in his development, is it? I mean, I don't think I would be no, that disappointed
1: I, in that, no. I, I'm pretty sure he's the youngest pitcher in the Southern League right now. I could be right, wrong, yeah. but when I checked the other day, him and Jorman Rodriguez were both uh, 21 years old, and there were only four 21-year-olds in the league at all um hold, so. on, hold
0: on let's get back to stevenson in a second yorman rodriguez is at least 42 years old there is no way he's still that young he's been in the reds organization since 1964
1: well <laughs> if, if that were true i'm pretty sure your math would still be wrong uh, I-, <laughs> I, may, I
0: may be off a little bit but okay. uh but no that's what i'm saying about stevenson i mean the guys just he just turned 21 right before the season started um you know if, if he's performing well in double a at the end of the season and hasn't quite uh, been they don't feel comfortable pushing up to triple a maybe starts next season in triple a hey, that's still to me that's uh I, i'm not going to question uh this guy if he's uh you know he's he's still young i guess is the point i'm trying to make
1: yeah he is and i'll be honest i will be shocked if he doesn't throw at least uh you know 40 innings in triple a this year i mean i well i said you know i think his timeline is going to be slightly delayed I, i'm fairly confident unless there's some sort of injury of some kind that, you know, they're going to keep him in double A all season, um, you know. But
0: that puts him in a position that possibly be, uh, you know, in the big leagues by, uh, you know, sometime next year.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, you know, it, assuming there's a spot available for him, you know. Right. That, the Reds do have everybody locked up through twenty fifteen, assuming they don't fall asleep for four months and not pick up the option on Johnny Cueto. <laughs> um, <but.
0: laughs> don't put that past Walt Jockett. I, <laughs> I hate to uh, sometimes he seems asleep at the uh, at the switch. Um, so you know nothing. I guess Stevenson maybe a little bit of a bumpy start, but nothing there to make us think he's not what we had hoped he would be.
1: Oh, absolutely not. He's still an elite arm, and you know he had those three starts where he struggled, but. Outside of those, I mean, he's been filthy. I mean, even if you look at his numbers now, they're still really good. Um, but you know, those three starts kind of bump in the road, and he's he's rebounded very well from them.
0: Okay, the next guy I wanted to talk about, and this is a guy who one of the one of the two we've, we've talked about pitchers really exclusively, I guess, to this point. When it comes to the offensive side of the ledger, one of the guys, one of the two guys that I was most interested to watch coming into the season. Is, uh, is Phil Irvin, uh, who, uh, you know, frankly, maybe you can uh, shed some light, but he's, uh, disappointing, uh, in low A at, at Dayton. Or, or, am I right to be extremely disappointed in what we've seen from Philip Irvin?
1: Um, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, he's been poor. I mean, that's, that's a nice way of putting it. You know, he came into tonight hitting 199 and slugging 280 at low A, which, you know, he hit really well that last year before he went on the disabled list. Um, but I, I think that that last sentence there was pretty key. He went on the disabled list in early August with a wrist injury. And unbeknown to anyone that I saw, I never saw anyone report it until after the season started this year, that he had off-season wrist surgery. Ah, um, oh, interesting. He was not even able to do any off-season workouts or anything, until he actually got to spring training in March. And so I'm still wondering if, you know, the the wrist seems healthy when you watch him play. Uh, you know, the bat speed is still there, despite the fact that he's got zero home runs this year. If you watch him in batting practice, he still hits the ball harder and further than everybody else on the team. Um, you know, and yes, at that level, there's only a few guys that really stand out anyways. But, you know, of the guys that can hit the ball really hard and far on that team, he still stands out among those guys. Uh, so I, I think that the wrist, while you know it may not quite be 100%, you can't really see it when watching him play. But given that he couldn't do any off-season workouts um, really until March, that really put him behind the ball against everybody else. Um, and, you know, he started off the first – three weeks of April, he had two walks and, like, 16 strikeouts, which, if you saw him play last year, is mind-boggling. I mean, he was, I mean, he wasn't Joey Votto, played discipline good, but, I mean, he was very good. He walked almost as often as he struck out. You know, he had a really good understanding of the plate, and, you know, he was swinging at everything the first couple weeks of the season, and I wonder if that just wasn't a a side effect of him being so far behind coming into spring training that he wasn't prepared. Um, Not because he didn't want to be it's just he couldn't be um given how his offseason played out um now the play discipline has turned itself around a bit since then um but the hitting still hasn't you know he's still struggling to get hits on any kind of consistent basis
0: well i appreciate you shedding some light on that because that was the single reason why i was most concerned Uh, coming into this season i had counted on philip Irvin as being a all the reports and everything we'd seen from him was that his on base ability fantastic, really good knowledge of the strike zone, and and that's the kind of guy that's the kind of guy I like, um, and, and a college guy, so you know a little bit advanced and, and a, guy, a college guy that knows the strike zone, bring it on, I'll, I'll take those guys, uh, but you know we're, we're he's, he's 41 games into the season and his on base percentage is 271. so so you're telling us that you think uh, that's that's coming around and for whatever reason it is what it is, but that. Uh, Certainly, it's coming around, and uh, he's not been good. But maybe we don't need to go jumping off a ledge if we own Philip Irvin's stock. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly is disappointing that he's performed so poorly to this point in the season. But I, I think long term, from what I've seen, um, you know, even if he doesn't, you know, get things going in the complete direction we thought we were going to see this year, that in the long run he's going to be fine. Um, you know, last year he showed that he does understand the strike zone. Uh, the tools are all still there, like I noted earlier, which, you know, you may not be seeing all of them in the game right now, um, but they're still there. And in the long run, I feel that the tools are going to play. And based on what we've seen in the past between college and last year, the play discipline is also there. Um, guys like that, just they don't tend to just continue to struggle moving forward.
0: All right. Well, um, we'll keep our fingers crossed, but it's been a really uh, a disappointing beginning of the, of the season for for a guy that I really like, Philip Irvin. Now, the next guy is a guy that we are really pulling for at Red Leg Nation, which is uh, that I want to talk about is Jesse Winker, who uh, has been on Red Redleg Nation Radio, the number one Cincinnati Reds podcast, if you don't include all the other ones. Um,
1: <laughs> no, we're still number one. Let's, oh, okay. Let's up front.
0: There you go, but uh, but Winker joined us. A really seemed like a really great kid, and Winker's a guy who, uh, you know, we talk about on base on base ability. He's another guy that uh, I had sort of in my uh, in my list of guys I was watching because really good on base uh, ability, uh, good power, and uh, and supposedly pretty good uh, defensively. Now, what do we know? And again, we're still early in the season, and we may not know anything differently. But what do we know about Winker that we didn't know before, and, and where do you see him in terms of his development? He's uh, right now at, uh, high uh, with Bakersfield.
1: I, I don't think that we know anything new with Jesse Winker. Um, you know, coming into the season, I thought that on when we're looking at just what he can do offensively, he was the best offensive player that the Reds had in the system. And I, I don't think that's changed. He's not showing anything any different than he did last year. You know, Great understanding of the strike zone. He's going to walk nearly as often as he strikes out. He's going to make plenty of contact. He's got some power. Um, you know, I, he, he looks like the guy that we thought he was, and that's not a bad thing because at least me, I thought he was the best hitting prospect the Reds had.
0: He's got an on-base percentage right now of three eighty after 121 at-bats, so not bad, 11 doubles, four homers, um, slugging four seventy nine. I mean, he's, he's, he's hit, of course, then again, we're talking about the California League, which, is, as you noted earlier, that's an offensive, uh, offensive league. So, Winker is what he is—good offensive player. Um, now, where's he playing? Do we know what positions he playing out
1: there right now? Is he, in, he? He plays mostly left field, but left. he has he has been worked into right field. Uh, most scouts that I talk to, from everything that I've seen, he looks more like a left fielder, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I know when you know you you say, "Oh, he's a left fielder," that most people jump to the conclusion that he can't field. Uh, Winker's not a bad fielder. Um, You know, I think that five years ago or more, he would have been looked at as a very good defensive left fielder, but, you know, with the way the game's changing now where more and more center fielders are moving over to left field, you know, he doesn't stand out as much because the, you know, the level of fielding in left field is a lot higher than it used to be, Um, but he's not a guy who's going to hurt you over there. Um, I'm just not sure that he's going to stand out either given how the game has changed recently.
0: Right. Now, he was selected, as I recall, in the uh, supplemental round uh, after, after the first r- uh, round in 2012. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about, unless you've got something else to say about Winker, is the guy that was picked in the first round, uh, 14th overall in the 2012 draft. And this is a guy, you know, I don't know. I've really never known what to think about uh, Nick Trevieso. Um, I presume you're going to tell me what to think about, about him?
1: I can tell you what I think about him, and you can make up your own mind at that point, uh, but I, I will just let everyone know that they should listen to every word that I have to say. Now, I'll, hey, I'll,
0: I'll sign that legislation. Uh,
1: but, no, I I feel like I've been the highest guy um, in that covers the red system um, or even nationally on Nick Traviaso. Uh, last year I ranked him much higher than all the national publications did.
0: Where do you have uh, him, in, in the? Uh, if you can uh, tell us, on the uh... – in the reds organization right now
1: i had him he, sixth he, coming into the season
0: Wow, that um, is that is a little higher than what which, the others have
1: it, yeah and i had him as the second uh pitcher on my list behind stevenson uh, I've seen. Beh- behind stevenson yes um and let's note that that list did include billy hamilton who isn't eligible for the list anymore but he was wait a minute ha-
0: you had billy hamilton as uh, where'd you have him ranked as in terms of red starting pitching
1: uh, number three. <laughs> okay, uh, that's a strange uh, list. Three, well, it, it's funny because he kind of balks every time because he just runs the ball to the plate, <laughs> right but guys yeah. still can't. But guys still can't hit it. It's too uh, fast. That's,
0: that's faster than most fastballs. Do this, <laughs> definitely. Uh, back to Trevi Asos. You You're you're high on this guy. Um, can you tell us why?
1: Well, last year I just saw the flashes of things. You know, he wasn't very consistent. You know, his velocity would vary. You know, some games he'd work 88 to 90 other games he was working 93 to 95 and touching 97. So it really just depended on when you saw him, which is why I think that, you know, nationally, especially you kind of got, you know, lower ratings than what I had because I had seen him pitch, you know, seven eight times and I got reports after every game on him whereas, you know, other guys they were relying on reports from when scouts just happened to see him. And if you didn't see him on the right day, you didn't see the best stuff and when someone's that age, you know, 19, 20, 21, I look at more what they can be when they're at their very best. And I saw things from Trevioso that said, you know, when he's on the top of his game, he is very, very good. Uh, but he wasn't on top of his game often enough last year. This year, he really has been. Uh, the slider's a lot more consistent. Um, you know, his changeup is much, much better. He worked with Mario Soto this spring on his changeup. Um, and you can tell it's much better. It's a lot more consistent. It's not as firm as it was last year. Um, and you know, last year, I think the biggest thing that I noticed with him that was consistent was his fastball command. Um, you know, he could throw it to both sides of the plate at the knees whenever he wanted to. Um, this year he's walked six guys in 45 and two thirds innings. He's got 40 strikeouts. Um, so the control is still there and he's doing it with all of his pitches this year. I guess one
0: thing I, I, I'm forgetting about him because he's he's in low A and you know, for to me it seems like he's been around forever and he's not he hasn't been, uh, and, and he's just 20 years old. So and pitching well in, in, in Dayton, are we are we to expect a uh, a promotion at some point soon?
1: Um, you know he's one of those guys that you know despite the fact that you know he was a first round draft pick as a starting pitcher, he only started one year in high school, so he's still pretty raw when it comes to you know, learning the ins and outs of pitching, uh, maybe not quite as raw as Michael Lorenzen, but kind of on that same path where you know they were fairly inexperienced coming into pro ball. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see him get promoted for for uh, you know maybe until August. Um, there's not really any reason to hold someone back from the Dayton rotation. Um, Bakersfield has really two prospects, maybe three that are in the rotation right now, but they're not going to hold back somebody like Nick Travieso if the Reds do think that he is ready to go up. Um, But I think that the Reds probably want to see another 40 or 50 innings out of him at this level um, unless he just goes on some sort of torrid Ben Livey-like situation where, you know, he's striking out 12 guys per nine innings and walking one guy. Um, So I I think that we'll probably see him stick around to Dayton maybe until July uh, at the earliest would probably be when I would – Think they might look at promoting him?
0: Uh, let me ask you. Sort of touched on Trevieso's velocity a moment ago. I had it seems like I had read somewhere that maybe he wasn't uh, his velocity wasn't quite what uh, had been hoped out of uh, as he as he came out, out of high school. That's it, that's not something you're particularly concerned about. I take it.
1: No, I mean coming out of high school, he was you know 92 to 95, but he had touched 100 miles an hour. And I I think that a lot of people thought, okay, this is another Robert Stevenson-type arm. And, I mean, it's very tough to be a 100-mile-an-hour guy. Uh, But, you know, this year, you know, he's been 92 to 95 pretty much every start of the season. Um, And, you know, he's touched a little bit higher than that. You know, he's probably not going to be, you know, develop into that Robert Stevenson 94 to 98 kind of guy. But, you know, a lot of pitchers pitch very well at 92 to 95 so while the velocity may not be what some people thought it was going to be given that you know he had been you know hitting 100 miles an hour every now and again in high school you know it's kind of in the same range as where he was you know he's just not topping out quite as high as he had been
0: okay well the the last guy that i wanted to to mention is uh a guy that at, at various times has been pretty highly thought of uh, within the Reds organization, and uh, possibly has tumbled down some of those prospect lists. Daniel Corsino uh, is with Pensacola right now. Um, is this guy, did we get too high on him at some point, and uh, is he probably not what we thought he would be? you uh, Any thoughts on, on him?
1: I, I don't think we got too high on him at one point because at his highest, you know, he was a 92 to 95 guy who would hit 97 every game, and he showed decent control. Um, but that isn't the guy that he is now. Um, I mean, his control has gone completely out the window for pretty much the last two and a half seasons. I mean, he's really struggled to throw strikes. Um, last season, I mean, there were games where he struggled to throw 90 miles an hour. Um, you know, Now, to his credit, he worked very hard with Ted Power, who was the AAA pitching coach last year, to make mechanical changes to try and improve it. I saw at least four different changes that he made throughout the season uh, to try and improve what was going on, and it just it did not work. Now, the good news is this season is he's back to throwing hard. Um, he's back to 91 to 94 miles an hour. He hit 96 the other day, which you know he couldn't have dreamed about doing last year. Unfortunately, the control still is not there. He's got 29 walks and 29 strikeouts in 47 innings. back in AA this year, which he had previously dominated two years ago.
0: Is he, does he have a future in the big leagues?
1: I I don't ever want to write off someone who, uh, it's another one of those things, when Daniel Corsino's at his best, you know, he can throw 95, 96 miles an hour, and he's got a good slider. So you don't want to say, no, he has no big league future, because, you know, when you've got two good pitches like that, of course you could. Uh, but someone who's struggling with the control so much like he is, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, yes, he is, because there's so much concern that, you know, he could do that, because if you're going to walk that many guys, you clearly aren't going to have success. Uh, But if he can regain some control, and something that the Reds have thought about before is putting him back in the bullpen, Uh, maybe working one inning at a time can let his stuff play up a little bit, give him a little bit more wiggle room, and maybe he won't fall into the mechanical issues that he will fall into as a starter if he's only going out there and throwing you know, one inning at a time. So maybe that's something we're going to see from the Reds here in the near future, especially you know if they want to make room for, say, Ben Lively to get promoted up to Pensacola um, because right now Daniel Corsino is the weak link in that rotation, um, and he has pitched out of the bullpen in the past, so it's not something brand new to him either. So maybe that's a a route that the Reds will explore relatively soon.
0: Well, he sort of stands out out of the guys that I've mentioned tonight as as really maybe not being the level of of prospect as the other guys we talked about. He's just a guy that we've been sort of following for a couple years and uh, disappointed to see the way he's turned out. But who knows? Who knows? I told you that was the last guy I wanted to ask about, but I I lied. Um, (laughs) Just uh, I can't let the chance escape to talk about uh, tucker barnhart who is again a big time friend of red leg nation been with us on the podcast he's been with us at at, at redlegnation.com one of the, the the best kids you'll ever uh, ever get a chance to get to know we're huge fans of tucker barnhart he's made a, a pretty good impact on the big leagues in a couple of uh, a couple of appearances this season um what do you think about tucker barnhart uh incredible defense can he hit enough to be a starter in the big leagues
1: I think that he can. I'm just not sure it's going to come with the Reds for a while because he's playing behind Devin Mezzarocco, who...
0: The Reds don't have any catchers, do they? <laughs> who's Meza, Meza Who? I don't, I don't know this uh, guy. Yeah, no.
1: But you know, I, I think that, you know, if Ryan Hannigan could be a starting catcher, I don't see any reason to believe that Tucker Barnhart couldn't be. Uh, I think that, you know, they're very similar offensively. You know, they don't have much power, but they're going to hit enough. They're going to draw enough walks that Especially at the catcher position, that's going to play. Um, and then when you toss in the defense, you know that gives you even more leeway. Um, so even if he weren't as good of a hitter as he is, he could probably start for a lot of major league teams. But you know he's a guy who probably could hit you 250 or 260 at the major league level.
0: Well, and and if he could do that, frankly, as good as his defense is, yeah, you're right. That's a guy that 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 could stick in the big leagues. Because uh, Barnhart has impressed everyone with his defense. Now, in his short time with the Reds. He's, he's done a couple things with the, the bat that have been pretty good, uh, frankly, and uh, maybe cause some people to think, oh, this guy, this guy's uh, uh, legit. I don't know that he's a uh, – uh, he, he's certainly not as good as maybe what we've seen in flashes in the big leagues, but he's a guy that's gotten on base at a, at a, at a decent clip in the minor leagues. He, I don't see any reason why this guy couldn't have a long major league career, certainly in this low offensive era that we're in right now. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on Tucker Barnhart's uh, future.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that even if he couldn't hit at all with the defense, he'd probably have a long big league career. Right, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and so, you know, in in a different scenario, he could probably start in the major leagues next year. Um, like I said, I don't think that's going to happen with the Reds having Devin Masarocco, and especially with Brian Pena locked up through next year as well. Uh, but, you know, catcher's one of those positions where you're going to get your opportunities uh, to come up, you know, because catchers get injured a lot right you know, it's, it's just a part of the game that's that's how it works out and you know we've already seen tucker get his chances early this season with injuries that have happened to devin masarocco um i love I, the
0: idea I, of a not to, sorry to interrupt you but i love the idea of a barnhart masarocco uh, not necessarily in that order but uh, combination behind the plate for the rich for the next five years that that sounds great to me
1: yes you won't get any complaints here um I mean, you know, you you got the upside offensively with Mesuraco, and you know, I think that Tucker Barnhart can be one of the better catchers in baseball defensively. And you know, like we had said, you know, he can, he can do some damage with the stick as well. Um, you know, not not necessarily power wise, but he holds his own.
0: All right, those are the guys I wanted to ask you about. Now, I'm sure there are some guys that that you want to talk about. Maybe some guys the rest of us aren't uh, that familiar with. Or, or, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up the floor here, and uh, who who do we need to know about? Who do you want to talk about with the Reds minor leagues?
1: Um, another guy that's down in Dayton right now that's uh, turned some heads this season has been Sal Romano. Um, he's Sal American.
0: Romano. That that that's not a real player. That's a character from The Sopranos. I think you're making him up. Okay,
1: actually, Sal Romano was a character from Mad Men, but <laughs> okay, at, it, right. it, at, at least you had the TV part right. There you uh, go. But. Uh, now, he's, a, he's a 20-year-old kid who's down in Dayton right now. He's got a 3.38 ERA in 48 innings. Um, but what's surprising this year is he's got 42 strikeouts in those 48 innings. Last year, you know, he, he struggled to strike guys out. And it was kind of like I spoke about with Travieso. You know, you'd see the flashes, but the consistency wasn't there for him. Um, it, this year, you know, he's repeating the level. You know, he's just 20 years old, so the Reds were very aggressive with him. Uh, he spent the entire season last year at 19 in Dayton, uh, which you don't often see the Reds do anymore. Um, but he's made the adjustments. He's much more consistent this season, and he's throwing a lot harder than he was last year. You know, last year he was 89 to 91, and he touched 93 every now and again. You know, this year he's you know 92 to 93. Uh, he touched 95 quite a few times uh, in his last start. Um, big kid, another... Big ground ball guy he's also right there With Lorenzen he's got a 60% ground ball Rate uh, which again that's That's elite um, so he, He's a guy I think that you know fans Should you know if that's Something they like to do is track minor league guys He's a guy to keep an eye on um, You know not an ace kind of Level pitcher per se but you know He could be a big workhorse Type pitcher uh, a couple years Down the road
0: you know I went To look at his uh at DaytonDragons.com, at his his page here, because uh, the wonders of the internet uh, allow me to pretend like I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking to you. Um, you know, I'm looking at his uh, his his picture first of all on DaytonDragons.com. He looks like he's 12 years old. Are you sure that he's not 12? Uh, uh, he
1: would be the largest 12 year old I've ever met in my life. <laughs> he towers over me. It's not even funny. Yeah, six
0: four it shows, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking at his picture. He looks like he's 12. Uh, <laughs> but the next thing that strike, that stands out to me are that he does have some pretty good numbers: 42 strikeouts. I mean, that's that's outstanding in 48 innings. And uh, but listen, this guy has just become one of my favorite players. Uh, I have some, uh, you know, uh, Italian heritage. Salvatore Romano is his full name. Oh, I love this guy. He's uh, he's now number one on my prospect list on that <laughs> uh, based on, on just strictly on his name. <laughs> who else do, Who else do you want to talk to talk about?
1: Um I guess the one guy that was in my top five coming into the season that we haven't talked about yet would be uh Jorman Rodriguez. Um
0: he's you, he's, you love Jorman. You've been a Jorman guy uh, for a while.
1: I, I do. Um and it goes back to those tools. I mean, he really does have all five tools. Um, you know, and he he hasn't exactly had all five skills at any point to this point in his career. Um, but slowly but surely they've come around and you know, he started off really well this year, and then he went on the disabled list with an oblique injury um, at the end of the at the end of April. And since coming back, he's really, really struggled. Um, he went to the DL and he was hitting 310, and he's down to 270 right now. Um, but before he went down with the injury, he looked much better this year than he has in the past. Um, and last year, we started to see a lot more consistency with him at the plate. Uh, you know, prior years he'd been very aggressive at the plate. Um, granted, he was always one of the youngest players in the league that he was playing in. Um, but, you know, last year he spent half a season in A at age 20. Uh, this year he's 21, and he's still one of the youngest guys in the league. Um, but a- Am I wrong to say that it looks like maybe he's showing just
0: a tiny bit more plate discipline as well, learning the strike zone a little bit more?
1: No, I, that's exactly what's going on. And, I mean, lately, since he's come off the disabled list, it it's really dragged down. He struck out a lot since coming back. Um, and for as much as I didn't always agree with things that dusty Baker said, one of the things that he always made sure to note is that when guys had oblique injuries, when they said they were ready, he'd give them a few more days before bringing them off the disabled list, because it is one of those weird kind of injuries that, you know, you feel ready for. And then maybe you're not. And, uh, you know, since coming off the disabled list with that injury, he struck out a lot and hasn't drawn many walks. Um, but before that, he, he did look like a much more disciplined hitter at the plate.
0: Wow. you know, praise for Dusty Baker. That that sort of seems like a good place to stop here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. We are at, at, at close to a stopping point here. Anything else about the minor leagues that you think we need to know that you want to talk about before we before we sign off here, Doug?
1: I I think we covered quite a few guys, uh, and uh, let's let's see. The Reds are uh, hopefully working on that comeback in the ninth inning right now. They only need eight runs to take the lead, so you know let's let's get ready to watch that.
0: Still three three still three outs remaining. They they can do this.
1: And they've got a runner on second.
0: Look at that. See you know get that runner in, and all of a sudden you're talking about it's just a six run deficit. Um, <laughs> Okay. All right, Doug, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Always, always fun. Uh, we're going to try to have you on certainly more often, and we, we definitely appreciate what you've been contributing to, to Red Leg Nation this season. Thank you for that. And and if those of you uh, that have maybe just become aware of uh, of Doug's writing through Red Leg Nation, you got to go to RedsMinorLeagues.com. Uh, you're having a good time over there following these guys, aren't you?
1: I, I really am. It's It's fun to see the future before it actually gets here.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and I don't know what we would do without you because, uh, because you follow it so much more closely th- than I do. I really appreciate uh, everything that you, you're publishing over there and that, and and everything you're publishing at, uh, at Red Like Nation. You, you promise you're going to come back on more often.
1: As long as you let me know that I'm supposed to come on,
0: I'll be there. That's okay. Uh, cause otherwise I'll just be here talking to myself, pretending that you're there. But I talk to myself, uh, and answer myself fairly regularly, so. As long that... as you
1: don't answer as me, then we're
0: okay. Oh, <laughs> well, I might. Don't, you'll have to listen into future, uh, editions of Red Lake Nation Radio to find out whether that's the case. Uh, Doug, I appreciate it. Um, redsminorleagues.com is, is Doug's site. And also you can check out everything he writes, uh, a weekly column at uh, redlegnation.com which is uh, where I show up occasionally. And um, I'd, I'd say you need to go follow Doug on Twitter at DougDirt24. Is that correct?
1: That is correct.
0: All right. And uh, if you want to follow me at DotsonC, you're certainly welcome to do that. Follow at RedLegNation. And go to RedLegNation.com every day for all the the, the Reds news and uh, and notes and uh, analysis that, that you could ever want. Um I would also ask you, you know, redlegnationradio.com. Go there. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast. Go subscribe via iTunes. Subscribe via an RSS feed, depending on what your particular uh, podcast uh, device, delivery device is. Uh, if you listen to us, if you enjoy us, number one, go tell a friend. Number two, go to iTunes. Uh, rate us. Uh, give us a review there and uh, help us uh, move up in the – in the uh, and the algorithm they have over there so that more people uh, catch redlegnationradio.com, um because, uh, we've, we're having a lot of fun, uh, with this podcast this year. And we certainly appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. I don't know why you would, but, uh, we definitely appreciate it. Doug, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. For Doug Gray, this is Chad Dotson saying, so long. Everybody.